Hey everyone, David here. Really excited to share this episode of the Spoken Gospel Podcast with you, but wanted to share one brief note. We had a little bit of technical interference with some of our gear, which resulted in some strange noises popping through in a few spots that you might notice. Just wanted to flag that for you so you didn't think your speakers or your your AirPods or something were being weird or on the fritz. It was on our end, but we liked the content so much that we didn't want to go back and re-record it. Uh, it should only be in a few places. shouldn't be too um, concerning or distracting. So just want to flag that for you. We try to do everything with excellence here and wanted to flag that for you. So we hope you enjoy this episode of the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Seth, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Because he hasn't, David. <laughs> Just because. If you if this if this is your first time listening, that's a strange way to start an episode. If you're a long time listener, you know that I always say, Seth, how you doing? Yeah. But I just thought I'd throw a curveball because Yep, you did. This is what's happening in this text is This is now where we're at. So we're in Second Peter three. Second Peter three. And, and we're finishing out the book of Second Peter yes. and Peter's polemic or attack against the false teachers who deny that Jesus is coming back. That's right. There and in this particular passage, and we've talked about some of their other arguments earlier, but in this particular passage, they're saying, like, okay, let's just look at the hard evidence. Jesus still hasn't come back, you know, and uh-huh. beyond that, look at the whole world in all of history. Things just kind of keep progressing the way they always have. There doesn't seem to be evidence of like cataclysmic divine interventions yeah. that bring the whole world into account. You're talking about something unprecedented. Uh, why? Like, yeah. there's no evidence that God right. just returns. Jesus said he was coming back soon. It's been a while. It's not soon. It's not soon anymore. Right. And by the time Peter was being written, 50-ish Ish. years might have passed. Um, and I mean, now that argument's just 2,000 years stronger. Stronger. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, Jesus said he was coming back soon. Why hasn't he? Yep. You said he was going to come. Why isn't he here? Yeah. Whole books have been written either attacking the idea that Jesus said that he'd come back soon. Mm -hmm. Therefore, since he hasn't come back, all of Christianity is void. Schleiermacher. Schleiermacher. (laughs) Or if you get that joke, you're a nerd. Send us an email. (laughs) I want to know who got the joke. Uh, Or uh, people defending what Jesus meant by soon to prove that Christianity is not void. Yeah, and everybody's should have just read Second Peter three. He's got it down for a us. Very simple explanation. So uh, I just think that's a really interesting thing that's still very live, you know, for us. Yes, is like the false teachers are still out there, and even like your own consciousness might be wrestling with this question. That is just like, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Does it mean that he isn't real or isn't coming back, or maybe there is not going to be a judgment? You know, there's mm-hmm. been so and so many different schools of end times theology, known as eschatology, uh, have been born out of this waiting period to try to explain what's happening. Yeah, it can't happen the way the Bible, like clearly, you know, most clearly says it's going to happen. So let's overcomplicate it because 
it's just been so long. Yeah, it can't be soon. Soon, soon has to mean something weird. Right. Okay, so that's kind of what's going on here. Yeah. And so, so not only are we going to get a really great answer for that, mm-hmm. he's also going to give us a little picture a of picture. what happens when Jesus comes back. Yeah. And fire. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> but also, but a good fire. But also, but also a world in which Where righteousness, righteousness dwells. dwells. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's what's going on in this episode. Okay. Um, yes. So Peter begins by mm-hmm. summing up the same thing he said before. We're talking about what has been anciently promised in the Old Testament scriptures and the fact that scoffers, false teachers are coming up and denying that there's coming a day of judgment. Mm-hmm. And the new version of this argument is where is the promise of God's coming? Mm. Because ever since the fathers fell asleep, so that could mean the church fathers, like the apostles. Oh, yep. It could, could mean, mean the patriarchs. The patriarchs. Um, regardless, all things are continuing as they were beginning from uh, from the beginning of creation. From the beginning of creation. So yeah. the point is, you said Jesus was coming back. Everybody who's important in Israel Israel's history and even in the history of the Jesus movement. Yep. Is not, are, dead are, or dying. Dead or dying. He hasn't come back. And God has not intervened in creation. Yep. He you, not- even you, Peter, are telling me you're about to die. Right. And you were supposed to be like the, you know, on this house I will build my church And guy. if God cares so much about how I live my life, wouldn't you think he would have come and judged me yeah, already? Why, why is he sending this weak apostle to tell me what's what? Right. Why don't you come back himself? Peter yeah. responds uh, <laughs> by saying, well, they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of the water through the through uh, and through water by the word of God. So the first yes. thing to neglect is that the whole history of hu- of Earth begins with God intervening in human history. Right. Or to say it a different way, yeah. even that they said everything's been going the same since the beginning. And he's like, "Aha! I have you yeah. because the beginning was not the beginning. Right. <laughs> there was something before the beginning, and it had been going on for eternity. And then God intervened to make a beginning. That's right. So in your very like acceptance of the fact that there was a beginning, you've proven the opposite, that God does intervene in eternity mm-hmm. to bring something out of nothing. To create. To create. And that by means of these, meaning his words, mm-hmm. I believe. Yes, absolutely. Uh, or the, the water. Or the water, which both. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. He intervened in the flood. Right. So the idea is God created the world by his word, and then he also destroyed the world by his word. These Mm -hmm. are two types of interventions Mm. God has done in history. You're claiming that God doesn't care about what humans do on the earth. Uh He created the world to put humans on it so they could do stuff on the earth. When they didn't do the right things on the earth, he he did something. He He intervened. He judged. He brought water by a word. Yes. And now that same word... Mm -hmm. The heavens and earth are being stored up for fire, but are being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Yes. So he's saying there's a, there's been a word of God from the beginning that you can take to the bank. Like, like God's word does stuff. Like, mm-hmm. And it's proven in creation that God's word spoke and things came. There's God's word in judgment that he said, I will flood the earth, and he did. Mm-hmm. And that same word is still speaking creation and judgment over the world today. And it's being stored up for you mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh the, the narrative is still going on and so the question that then it would be on the tip of everyone's tongue is like so why is it taking so long why is it being stored mm-hmm. up like it seems like when you read the when you read you know 
It doesn't take much time to read Genesis 1 to 6. Yeah. Or even right. shorter from the fall, you know, Genesis like 4 to 6. Yeah. It's like, okay, so the world got terrible and God intervened. Mm -hmm. But now it seems like there's a lot of time between Revelation 21 and, you know, what what month is October 2021. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, why is he taking so long? Uh, is the question. Great question. Right. Uh, let me just land that first oh, plane yeah, great. real quick. Um, this kind of caps off the argument that he began in chapter two, where he's like, you have these people denying that there, there's a coming day of judgment mm -hmm. based on um, the fact that the Old Testament wasn't a reliable source of your moral code. Right. Now they're making a cosmological argument. They're saying oh, like, God... Yes. Uh, the reason why we know there's no coming judgment is because he hasn't judged yet. Right. He hasn't intervened in human history. And, and Peter's point is, no, your cosmological as well as your theological argument are both flawed. God does come and judge. Uh -huh. There is a coming day of judgment. Right. That's that's like, he's, yeah. and he's landing the plane for the last time. Like, you have no arguments left. You've denied the scriptures. I've disproven that point. And now you're denying that God intervenes. Why are you breathing? Because of God's intervention. Right. What happened in the flood? God's intervention. Right. There, God intervenes in human history, and he's coming to judge again. Mm -hmm. that's, that's his point. So the cosmological argument is that, I mean, look, Earth is still here. Mm -hmm. Right? It still exists. God hasn't judged. There's still evil people on the Earth. Mm -hmm. mm, we're still spinning. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. prove that God judges. And he's like, well, he does, and he intervenes, and he has a word that mm -hmm. creates and judges, and it's being stored up today. Yes. Okay. So he, they've had the theological argument. They have the yeah. cosmological argument. And now he, he's going to put the final nail, which I yeah. think is the most important one mm -hmm. for this argument, in verse 8. Whenever so he, like, he says, like, so, you know, they're asking the question, why is it taking so long? Yep. And he says, do not overlook this one fact, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Okay. Which makes no logical sense. But that is a very beautiful and poetic way yeah. to talk about eternity. It's Psalm 90, verse yep. 4. He's, yep. he's quoting the Psalms, and that's exactly what he's doing. He's saying, God does not exist on your time scale. Right. Like, that's not what's he's, happening yeah. here. <laughs> he exists outside of time, where a thousand years could be a day, a day could be a thousand years. It doesn't matter. Time is irrelevant in God's space. And so when you, when you are saying what's taking God so long, you don't realize that you're asking a stupid question. <laughs> because God doesn't take time. Mm -hmm. God can't take long. God can't take short. Right. A wizard is never, never late. late. Neither <laughs> is he early. <laughs> he arrives precisely when he means to. Now, if you got that joke, I want it. <laughs> We're just going to have a flood of emails. Uh, uh, that's a Lord of the Rings reference. Lord there. of the Rings. Okay. Watch it. Watch it. I'm sure. You can watch the first 10 minutes and get the and joke. And get that so, joke. So it's, it's a low investment. <laughs> um, and so, like... That, it's it's a it's an ignorant question to ask why is God taking so long? It assumes that God works on your timeline. Yeah, or, or humanity. A, a timeline. Yeah, humanity's the <laughs> Earth's timeline. God yeah. works on a timeline that a thousand years is a day and a day is a thousand years. It's a timeline that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because it's different. Mm -hmm. And so um and so he and then he goes on in verse nine. He's, go ahead. Did you No, I was just gonna say, and besides that Oh yeah, he goes besides on, that, yeah. the the Lord is not slow. To fulfill his promise as some count slowness, which would be like, I don't know, it's been a couple years. Can we? Yeah. It feels years. soon. Yeah. It feels soon. Um, 
so the Lord is not slow as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, which mm-hmm. I just want to stop there. I, it's brilliant logic that he's just mm-hmm. like, you want to call God slow? Let me redefine that. He's patient. patient. Why? Uh, he's patient toward you because he doesn't wish that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So God's slowness is not proof that he's aloof or not coming back or there is no judgment. God's slowness, as we would count it, is actually patience because he wants more people to be saved. Yeah. Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Because there's more people he wants to save. Yeah. I love that. It's so good. I love that. And it's an invitation to the false teachers. It's not too late. Mm. Like, he's like, he's waiting for you too, false teachers. Like, he's yeah. been making this argument. He's been calling him, comparing them to animals. Yeah. He's prophesying this coming day of judgment. He's debunking their cosmological arguments. He's debunking their moral arguments. And he's saying, and that extent that extends to you as well. Like, that day... Yeah. Repent. Like <laughs> repent. You, you repent. Yeah. You could be a part of the coming day. Mm-hmm. He's being patient for you. And I love how like this long time scale mm-hmm. like gets zeroed in on these false teachers. And maybe like that's too specific to say what Peter's doing, but I imagine like he's responding to the allegations of these false teachers. Like, why hasn't God come yet? Maybe he's waiting for you, false teacher. Mm. Maybe the reason why yeah. he hasn't come yet is because he wants you to repent of what you're teaching Man, and how you're living. That is like a thief on the cross moment, <laughs> you know, where these thieves are just railing Jesus, you know, saying that he's nothing. Yeah. And there, there's this other thief being crucified next to him and he repents. It's just like Jesus in the last moment would mm. save you if you would just turn, right, you know, right, 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 man, right. that's just some hardcore grace. Yes. Like, wow. Like, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? you know, false teacher who's saying he never will because mm-hmm. he's waiting on you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just, that's just cool. I love that. But uh, here's what he says next. Uh-huh. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Mm. So he isn't coming soon like you're defining soon. Mm. He's coming in patience, but he will come when you don't expect him. Yeah. Like that, that's the, that's the next there's some urgency right. to the repentance that's needed. Right. Because- and he's quoting Jesus here. Like Jesus yes. talked about his own coming like this. Yep. Uh, and it is interesting to talk about in this context, to talk about Jesus coming like a thief in the night because um, no one expects a thief to come. Right. You know, and he's like, that's how he's going to come. Mm-hmm. You know, you expected him to come soon. You had your watch out and you were checking it and he didn't come then. You were like, oh, I guess I'll let down my guard and, undead bolt the front door and turn off the alarm system that's when he's coming you know yeah that's right (laughs) and so yeah okay that's interesting yeah and then he says and on that day when he comes like a thief the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed Hmm. and since all things are going to be dissolved what sort of people ought you to be uh, in li- uh, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness yeah. waiting for and hastening the coming day of the Lord. So okay. the idea here is you don't know he's going to come. So repent. And on that day when he comes, what is going to happen? Evil will be judged. Mm-hmm. Moral perversity will be wiped away and dissolved. And all that's going to be left on that day is righteousness, mm. moral perfection. So what kind of lives are you going to live? Right. What kind of lives do you want to hedge your bets on? I want to live a life that 
lives in accordance with what's not going to be stripped away. That's right. Yeah, That's the, his point. I want to live with the moral perfection stuff so I get to keep what I have. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get that. Um, yeah, because he's, he's, he's talking about it like, uh, like is, it, is, it, is it kind of like gold here where it's like a okay. refiner's fire? Is that oh, uh, burning up and dissolved or like wheat and chaff or like what's the is what's the image here because when i think of burning up and dissolving i don't think about exposing things like he mm-hmm. says that the works that are done will now be exposed like yeah what's the image i'm supposed to have in my head here i don't know i yeah. think i would have to do more study on that to yeah. get a good answer there might be some greek myths that he's pulling on here as he's done pulled from some greek thought a couple True. different times that might be, yeah, that might be it. but i think the idea of gold works well here jesus talks about the day of the lord coming mm-hmm. and only that which is in accordance with his kingdom standing right. it's like, like it'll be saved as if by fire right very common like yeah way of thinking i mean even paul in first corinthians writes about mm-hmm. that too so i mean that makes sense like a, it's a burning off of mm-hmm. that which doesn't which won't live in the place right. where righteousness dwells yeah and so and i think the image of gold isn't bad right what does a refiner's fire do it, it burns off the impurities. It burns off the impurities right. and leaves only pure gold right. behind, right. only moral righteousness mm-hmm. behind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, th- so there's there's something interesting here too that I just want to like lean in on because yeah. I think it's so interesting. He's is he says that the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So all three tiers of creation of the existent world will be done away with. And we read about this again in Revelation. Three tiers? Yes. So you have the heavens or the heavenly heavens, which is where God lives. Okay. And then the heavenly bodies, which is the sky, space, stars that you can see. And then the earth. Okay. And so there are three tiers of existence in mm-hmm. like the in the Jewish or the like the first century ancient mindset. Mind, yeah. Ancient mind. Well, you had the earth, you had the sky or the firmament, Stars. and then you had the abode of the gods, the okay. heavens of the heavens. And when he comes, Jesus is gonna do away with all, all. three God's house, hmm. space, and earth are going to be refined by fire. Hmm. Like and it, and it goes back to what he said in First Peter, like he's cr- helping us to participate in in his divine nature. Mm-hmm. And that divine nature is going to remake the world in his image. Yes. And only what is like him will remain. Right. He's going to remake the world according to his nature, his divine ideas. And those will be of moral purity and goodness and righteousness and justice. Yeah. I just think it's interesting that like even the heavens will be dissolved by fire. And like revelation mm-hmm. picks this up where mm-hmm. like the old heavens will pass away and mm-hmm. God will come and make his dwelling place with man. Oh, because heavens in this mindset is like where the gods dwell. Yeah. God won't be far away anymore. If it just said heavens, probably not. Yeah. But since it says the heavens will pass away and the heavenly bodies uh-huh. and then the earth, it's the three tier thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, and I mean, Rev- revelation corroborates this, that mm-hmm. God's house where he lives yeah. is going to, you know, is going to pass away. The old mm-hmm. heavens are going to pass away. And then the very, in verse 13, it says, because we're waiting for a new heavens mm-hmm. and a new earth, which is not a tiered structure anymore, a... where you have three layers stacked on top of each other like a delicious cake. Instead, mm. the new heavens and the new earth are one thing, yeah. where God's dwelling comes to be with man. Mm-hmm. That's why the refining fire happens, is because yeah. God's presence is drawing near to it, 
and it's making a place for him to be. Yeah. Where righteousness can dwell. Mm-hmm. Righteousness cannot dwell with unrighteousness, not because it's scared of it or allergic to it, or, you know, unrighteousness is like garlic to a vampire or something. <laughs> but it's because cake vampires. I don't know, all over the map. <laughs> but because righteousness, holiness consumes it, judges it. A day of judgment is coming. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it consumes unrighteousness. So that's the picture he's painting is that righteousness is going to move into the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Heaven is going to come to earth. And when that happens, the only thing that's left whenever this separation universe that we're used to living in, mm-hmm. where heavens are up there, right? God's up there, we're down here, you know? When that ends and heaven comes to earth and this new heavens and new earth and righteousness, the divine nature yeah. dwells among us, that that separation disappears and with it, all unrighteousness disappears. It gets mm-hmm. dissolved with it. So I just love this image. It's so hard to do with audio only. Yeah. I'm using my hands yeah, so much. Yeah. But it's like, if you can picture this three-layered universe and the top layer coming down to the mm-hmm. bottom layer and burning up everything that's bad on the way mm-hmm. down with it and leaving behind it a trail of goodness. Mm-hmm. And then when it reaches the bottom, all you have is one homogenous new heavens, new earth mm-hmm. where righteousness dwells. Mm-hmm. Like that's the picture that he's saying will come like a yeah. thief in the night. Yeah. Okay. So that's just what I, I love. That that's picture. a really cool picture. Yeah. And yeah. I just keep, th- it's interesting that he uses the word waiting for twice. Mm-hmm. Mm. We should be people of holiness and godliness waiting for the coming day of the Lord, waiting for a new heavens and a new mm. earth. Up to this point, the day of judgment feels like a thing to be warned of. Right. Yeah. And, and it's been a subject of argument. But uh, and there's hope that you will escape like Lot and Noah. Uh-huh. But oh, here, right. Yes. But now it's waiting for it and even says hastening it. Yeah. Like, come on. Come on. Get here faster. Could it be today? Could it be tomorrow? Come on. Yeah. That is a weird development. And it makes me realize that the idea of a world where righteousness dwells is not the powerful, like motivating force that Peter imagines it for his own people. Hmm. Peter, Peter's people are clearly wanting that day Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't. Oh, I understand. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And he can say like, yeah, it's coming. Isn't right. that great? And you can make it come faster. I'm still a little worried about that day, given the <laughs> melting that you've described <laughs> a couple of verses ago. I'm like, I think we have to remember we've talked about we haven't talked about this in a little while, but Peter's audience we talked about in First Peter was being persecuted. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. you never have to tell persecute the persecuted. That's right. That coming judgment is exciting, and right. that they should wait on it and hasten it. You know, it's like if, if you can bring the rescue a little earlier, you would. Yeah. You know, you never have to tell the suffering that relief right. is to wait and be excited about relief. Because righteousness is just another word for justice. Right. They're the same word. Same word. Yeah. So justice is coming against your oppressors and your accusers. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. <laughs> like, finally. finally. <laughs> oh, I can't, can I hasten that day? I would love to hasten that day. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about one last thing before I ask a bigger question, Okay, which is uh, this, I love, you mentioned it already, verse 11. So what sort of people ought you to be? And I was like, well, I want to be the righteous one that can live in the righteous place. Yeah. So I want to like live in accordance with the new heavens and new earth, what's going to be left and made perfect. Mm-hmm. I want to start living into that. Mm-hmm. And I just think like that's an underdeveloped like part of the Christian imagination for a lot of people mm-hmm. that I think is so important to 
living like in light of eternity in yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Which is like, why do we, why do we become better and better Christians? Why do we want to look more and more like mm -hmm. Jesus? Why do we accord ourselves more and more with um, moral absolutes? Yeah. Well, Peter began this, his first letter this way saying mm -hmm. like, you're participators in righteousness, in the divine nature of righteousness. It's like, that's living who God has made us to be by virtue of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus has died and given us his righteous nature, so we must live righteous lives, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. That's one part of the, the imagination. And the other part, I mean, it, it feels self, so self-evident, like, and then the world of justice is coming. So live like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I maybe I'm missing the question. I mean, maybe you don't have the hangups that I have or that yeah. I feel like a lot of people I've had conversations with have. It's just like, why, why do we live better and better lives? It's like to hopefully be good enough so that when ju oh. judgment comes, that we pass the test yeah. and we can escape to escape some sense of existential condemnation mm -hmm. um, in order to live the good life. And the better I live, the better my life is. Like, mm -hmm. what is moral progress for in the yeah. Christian life? And I think that here, Peter is saying, because you are living the life that you will live in eternity mm -hmm. in a perfect world. Yeah. That this is how you bring the new heavens and the new earth to your world today. And we have to remember, mm -hmm. like, this is Peter's audience is exiles or are exiles. They're strangers and foreigners, sojourners. Mm -hmm. And if they can bring to earth mm -hmm. the kingdom that they're going to be a part of, their real citizenship, if they can, like, live in that kingdom forever, mm -hmm. uh, like, right now, uh, that's a really attractive thing. Yeah. I think I'm afraid of that phrase, hastening the coming day of the Lord. Like, I can make God come faster? Ah. Uh, right? Like, that feels right. odd. I don't have that power. Right. But it's actually a huge encouragement. Like, don't you want a world of righteousness? Yes. A world of justice? <laughs> yes. A world where people aren't telling you and persecuting you for not joining in their party? Right. <laughs> like, at the yes. very bottom the of the very level? bottom of yeah. Like, don't you want that day? Then act like the day's already here. Right. And God will... Come right quickly. Like your kingdom come, your will be done. Like yeah. whenever you live as if the kingdom of God is already here, you have hastened the day because you're living in it. Mm. Like it's not the final day, right? It's not the actual day that of day Jesus. comes today. But that day can come today whenever you in part. In yeah. part. Yeah. It's the already the not yet. Whenever you live as a citizen of the kingdom, mm -hmm. you are hastening the day because you're living in that day a little bit. You're peeking in to the future. Do you think there is a sense in which our holiness also hastens the actual day? I have no idea. Like, because that's a cool idea too. Right. And it's not beyond the realm of God's omnipotence to know <laughs> right. that fact, no. how our own righteousness and justice plays into the hastening of that day. Yeah. I mean, there's an uh, entire eschatological model built around that idea. Yes. Yes. Which we're not, we're not even going to name. We're not even going to name. But, you know. But it's. But it's out there. That's a strand of thought. And um, it's encouraging. Yes. To know that when we act holy and godly, God's kingdom comes. Yes. Now. Yeah. Regardless of like your theological bent, where you land on, how the end times are going to work. Because I just don't want to get into that. Right. And, but, and it will come sooner. Yeah, it comes, you can experience, you can taste it now. Yes. I don't think anybody would argue that. Yes. That you, like God wants you to live in his kingdom right now. Mm -hmm. And when you do, you, you get to taste it a little bit. You get to step in just a little bit mm -hmm. into the new heavens, the new earth, um, which is just a really exciting way and, to live. And as we wait, verse yes. 15, 
we can count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Oh, okay. Which I love <laughs> this phrase. Yes. The patience of the Lord is our salvation. Yeah. God's love is our salvation, right? Like, I oh, we're so, used to that. Yeah. The cross is our salvation. Righteousness is salvation. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I've got salvation has got all sorts of words attached to yep. it. Patience right, is, is not sal- one I yeah. do often. I mean, think about this, though. If Jesus came in 1986, okay. you would not be saved because you wouldn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's just an interesting yeah, thing. Yeah. It's like you, you would never be with the mm. Lord forever in eternal bliss with him. I was born in 1998, by the way. Right. 1988, by the way. Yeah. So if yeah. he came in 86, yeah. you, mm. wouldn't be, you wouldn't be saved. You wouldn't be with him because you wouldn't exist. Yeah. And so like, that's a different way to talk about his patience being salvation is mm-hmm. that as like, G- there are more people that God wants to be born, mm-hmm. get to know him and mm-hmm. join his, in his eternal kingdom. And there's more people he wants to repent right now who have lived and have not yet repented and have not yet and, and are living now and have not mm-hmm. yet repented. Why, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? I pray it's because my sons haven't, become Christians yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want them to know Jesus. Yeah. You know, uh, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Because there are people in Papua New Guinea who don't even have the Bible in their language yet. Mm-hmm. And like he wants them, he wants the gospel to come to all of Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Like that's why, because he yeah. wants all to be saved. His patience is salvation. And the longer God waits, the, the more, more people are saved. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Because the the message of the whole Bible was that God like is longing for the nations. That's why the Abra like the desire that any should perish, but send his own son. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, John three sixteen. Yeah. yeah. And so um like the covenant he made with Abraham was to bless all nations. That's always been a part of his plan. Um so this leads me to ask just a little bit of a question, maybe controversial. Okay. But it's just like what does he mean by he desires all to be saved, not wishing that any should perish? Because this has been um, like a, a text that a lot of people come to and find some roots of the um, the teaching of universalism. And that's part of your story. Like that's part of my story. Yeah. I yeah, by the time I was out of out of college getting my Bible and biblical languages degree, um, I just had a hard time with this very idea, mm-hmm. the the coming judgment of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should have read more sec- second Peter. Yeah. <laughs> um uh, it's, which is ironic because, because you, you skipped to I the end. I definitely loved this verse. <laughs> uh, and, and and the idea is that, well, if God desires all to be saved and doesn't want any to perish, can't God accomplish that which he wants? Mm-hmm. Like if God desires all to be saved and he's all powerful, can't he make it happen? Mm-hmm. And so this is where the idea of like, oh, yeah. in an afterlife, there will be an eternity of opportunities mm-hmm. for people to repent and turn to God. Yeah. Like uh, there has to be some kind of system. It, this right, is like, this right, is right. how this, people yeah, yeah. have, have right, thought. Right. Um, yeah. The idea of universalism and what it represents here is beyond the scope of what Peter is talking about. However, it's something that people have thought about since origin, right? Yeah, like this yeah, is like, yeah. this, is a, a, this is a very old teaching. Yeah. I would actually say it's not, although we're talking about a different stripe of it. I uh-huh. don't think it's beyond what he's talking about here. Okay. Because what, is universalism other than a denial that there is coming judgment. It's the same false teaching. Mm. Is it? No, the sinners aren't judged. Those Mm. who don't accept aren't judged, right? 
they're not yeah. that's just not everyone will participate in the divine one day that's right yeah. that is the story that is a very common teaching mm. today mm-hmm. and it's the mm-hmm. same teaching in a different way right it's just a denial of of the coming judgment and i would just say man look at back at all we've talked about in second peter so far in these episodes is like which one tells a more consistent story with scripture which one has the true teachers and the true prophets on their side? Which one has the false teacher, teachers and the false prophets on their side? Like yeah. the biblical story has been one of on this earth, when you deny God, you are judged. And there's yeah. the, that's just the story of the, of the Nephilim, of Noah and the Ark, of Sodom and Gomorrah, all these things that we mentioned in the last episode. And so um, I, I just think that like we, we can't say we can't just rip as I did mm-hmm. whenever I was graduating college. We can't right. rip this text out of its home and say, God wants all to be saved and no one to perish mm-hmm. and be like, well, let's just hold on to that one thing. It's like, right. that's embedded in an entire letter proving the coming judgment of the wicked. Yeah. So like you, those must coincide together. Right. And I think, I mean, we've talked, I mean, what is it but grace? Like, yes, there, there's a coming day of judgment. It's prophesied. It's in the Old Testament. It's consistent with Jesus as a judge who rules all nations, prophesied in Psalm 2, everything we've talked about already. And at the same time, God doesn't want any to perish. He doesn't want any to not repent. Right. Like he wants, like his patience is salvation. It's an invitation. Like this isn't doctrine out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. It's the final invitation to an unrepentant and unbelieving group of false teachers. Right. And anybody who would agree with the ancient deception that there is no coming day of judgment. Mm -hmm. There is an invitation here. God wants even you to repent and come to him. There is no barrier to entry. Right. Yeah. I would just, I think the encouragement here in this specific line of he doesn't want any to perish. Right. Is, is it like God doesn't like in, in a whole letter, talking about the coming, sure, inevitable judgment of God, of the Nephilim, of the flood, of Sodom and Gomorrah, really intense passages of God's mm-hmm. judgment and you know, against against the ungodly. It is such good news to know that God doesn't want that. Mm-mm. God doesn't want to, like, to ju- he doesn't want them to per- have perished. Yeah. Like, it makes me think of... I mean, think, Sod- of, I mean, think yeah, Sodom and Gomorrah. Are you about to do the whole yeah. 190? Yeah, what is... That's exactly what my mind went. What does Moses do? He Abraham. Oh, Abraham. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> what does Abraham do? Yeah. He argues God down to 10 people. And God shows great patience. Yes. And his patience would have been salvation if right. there were any righteous people yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> and there was. Lot, Lot. escaped. And the, the one righteous person yep. escaped. So that's the point is that like, God, what if for 100 people would you spare the city? What if for 50? What if for 40? What if for 10? You know, he got him down to 10 and then God agrees and then at the end of the story, it proves that God was willing to save just one mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. I mean, that's powerful. Yeah. That God is so patient that like, if he can get one person out, he will. Yeah. Because he doesn't want, like, he doesn't desire anyone to perish. If he did, it wouldn't make any sense that he would send his only son to die. Right. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. how badly does God not want the wicked to perish? He dies for them. Mm-hmm. That's how bad. Right. And so, but he needs you to throw yourself on that story. Don't count his patience as weakness. Right. Or as aloofness or as a lateness. Right. Count it as patience. Yeah. And salvation. As grace. Yeah. As salvation. Yeah. 
Okay, last last strange Peter thing. Okay. And then we can wrap up. Okay. Second Peter. Um verse 15. Uh also don't count the pa- or also, sorry, count the patience of our Lord's salvation. We talked about this. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in in them on these matters, there are some in these letters that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So this is the really the only reference of like uh uh what what do I want to say here? Like of one letter in the in the New Testament talking about another author of other letters in, in the, the New, New Testament. Testament. It's just really interesting. It's like, oh, Peter and Paul knew about each other's writings. That's interesting. And then it's a very exciting thing for evangelicals, you know, who believe in the inspiration of scripture because... Because he's calling He's Paul. calling Paul's writing scripture. Yeah. It's like a really intense thing. Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, but the point of bringing that up is... And people besides evangelicals believe in the Oh, yes. Yeah, totally. Yes. It's just like that's the thing we're kind of all in on. <laughs> um, and so um, it's just interesting that he says that these false teachers are twisting Paul's words. Like that they're... That Paul wrote some hard things in some of his letters and that the false teachers are twisting those words to make him say whatever he wants them... Whatever they want him to say. And scholars have speculated wildly on what kind of uh like which of paul's scriptures they twisted you know right we talked about this like he talks about how he talks about grace a lot mm-hmm. you know like free grace how we're freed from the law and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and so maybe it was paul's radical teachings on grace and that people are like well i can do whatever i want I can do whatever I want. that's where yeah. the licentiousness licentiousness comes from mm-hmm. perhaps uh, were, were there any other like we talked on about one on the way back from tacos? Uh, um, I, I don't remember. remember. I don't remember. Yeah. Oh, oh, it was the angel thing. I remember. Uh, right, because Paul connects the fact in Galatians uh-huh. the fact that angels were part of delivering the Old Testament law to the fact that the law has passed away. Right. So maybe these false teachers are saying, "See, angels don't matter because right. the law passed and away so that's too." What they were blaspheming. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's just. I love the interconnectedness of the biblical world. Yeah. You know, because sometimes it's hard to see behind yeah. the pages, you know, and it's like, oh, Peter knows that they're reading Paul, which means that Paul's letters were circulating among these churches, mm-hmm. which means like they kind of had a similar experience we had. They were reading parts of the New Testament, which is cool. Right, right, right. And people were twisting the New Testament, which they still do today. Yeah. And now he's using other parts of the New Testament to correct that twisting. Yes. Which is just cool. That is cool. It's like a fun little biblical world moment. Little- so. Uh, man, anything else nope. that, that you see here? I am happy to put Second Peter to rest. Oh, man. Let it... To him be the glory. To God be go. the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. And now to the day of eternity. <laughs> the day, period, thousand years, eternity. Yeah, that's just really, yeah. A day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. To the day of eternity. One day, a day will start and it will never end. <laughs> Which is a cool... That's a cool... The day of, it's the day of eternity. Yeah. How did those things go together? It's uh, God's time. Time. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so uh, what's next for the podcast? We will be jumping into Jude, and okay. it'll just be one episode. One, but it's such a long book. It's, a, what, 16 verses? <laughs> Something like uh, that, yeah. And so we're going to do an intro and explanation of <laughs> the book of Jude, and then we'll jump into the book of Jonah, Ooh, which I'm very excited about. Jump into the, the waters The of, waters of, of Jonah. Jonah. Which is not about a fish. What? Okay, we'll get, we'll get there. We'll tease that one later, I guess. All right, well, thank you everyone for listening to Second Peter with us, and we'll see you in June.
Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you.